Would you pray with me? Lord, as you are with us in this place now on this holy night, illuminate our minds and our hearts and our spirits as we hear your holy word. Speak to us in your still small voice. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 30. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said back to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set an example for you, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture, the one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one from whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking of. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped 
it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And after he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, do quickly what you are going to do. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling him to buy what we need for the festival or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. The word of the Lord. You pray with me. Jesus, join us in this place. Speak now, Lord. Use my voice, not so that I may speak, but that you may communicate with your people in this place on this night. In your name, amen. So we're here. It's Maundy Thursday. We have made it through the majority of Lent. Someone close to me in my life told me to make sure I enunciated clearly that it's not Monday, Thursday, but Maundy, Thursday. Uh, this is the night that, although it's part of Holy Week, it's often not celebrated with nearly as much vigor as the other days. It makes sense. Palm Sunday, we talk about this grand return to Jerusalem, and we give out palm leaves, and it's really interactive. And, and Good Friday, I mean, it's the most potent imagery of Jesus' sacrifice and Easter Sunday, need we say more, but Monday Thursday is something that is built into the life of our church year-round. It's the place where we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's the place where we remember Jesus telling us what was about to happen. In the midst of what was going to be a terrible experience that no one could yet understand, Jesus was preparing them even before the disciples knew it. And so we know that Palm Sunday is where this all began, that Jesus comes to Jerusalem and he's ready to enter the city and he's met by crowds of people and they're waving these palm leaves ready for their perceived Messiah their expectations of who he should be and how he should lead and what he will do for them. And here in this scene, we see Jesus and the disciples sitting down and and we're told by the narrator of, of John's gospel that Jesus knew that this was the hour. Jesus knew what was coming next. Jesus was ready for this betrayal that was about to unfold. But only Jesus knew You know, often people ask questions like, if you knew you only had a day to live, what would you do with it? Apparently, we get a glimpse into what Jesus would do with his last hour of freedom with his disciples, with those closest to him. He didn't tell them what was about to happen in in layman's terms. No, he sat down and broke bread and had dinner. And then immediately after dinner, he gets up and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Now, this is a bizarre image probably for some of us. It's a story we've heard for so long that really makes most people uncomfortable for a number of reasons. Most people don't like the idea of dirty feet, and athlete's foot is a problem that many people deal with today. But in this culture, 
we have to remember for all of the uh, you know, advancements that Rome made in their roadways and systems that this was a time when people walked everywhere they went, where dirt and mud and horse dung was everywhere. Dirty feet, it's pretty normal. And so it was common for a host to either wash his guest's feet or to have a servant wash their guest's feet. So the idea of washing feet is not all that radical in this moment, except that in this particular instance, it's not just any host. It's who the disciples have claimed and pronounced is the Son of God himself. The disciples didn't have to be convinced who Jesus was anymore. They had seen the miracles. They had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. They had seen The people with illnesses cured. They had seen people that are hungry getting food to eat. So what is astonishing is that this God, this teacher, this Lord, was taking on the role of a servant. On Jesus' last night, the way he chose to spend his time was washing the disciples' feet. Now, of course, out of the disciples, we are sure we could guess which one would have to speak up in this moment. It is Peter. And it's Peter who stands up and says, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. Why would I allow you to do this? But Jesus says, no, no. If you don't let me wash your feet, you can have no share with me. And so Peter responds, Lord, wash all of me. And Jesus says, well, if you've been cleaned, there's no need except for your feet. Now, all of us, as we read these stories and hear them year after year, we have the benefit of hindsight. We're not experiencing this moment for the first time. But we do tend to read this story and go, well, why would Peter not let Jesus do this? I mean, we all know that God is God and we are not and We need God to wash our sins, to wash us. Of course we would let that happen. And yet we all know what it's like to reject Jesus washing our feet. Sure, Jesus may not have come to you in person to physically wash your feet, but we know what it's like to hear from God and say, no, thank you. Perhaps God has nudged you to make a relationship right. And you've said, not right now. Perhaps God has nudged you to humble yourself and let go of your pride. And we've said, not right now. Perhaps there are moments in your day when you hear the voice of God nudging you to act towards someone or to speak up on behalf of someone. And you've said, not today, Lord. I've got more to do. There are countless moments in our lives when we reject Jesus washing our feet. We've been made clean, and yet if we don't allow him to wash us, we can have no share with him. And so what we see in Peter's example is that we are called to admit that we need our feet washed. There's this brilliant scene in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Uh, The movies are abysmal, but if you want to watch it, you can. But there's a scene where this character named Eustace is turned into a mythical dragon. 
and it's a terrible plight. And he just wants to be a boy again. And he scratches away at these scales, trying to get back to his human body, but he can't. Every time he scratches a layer, he grows new skin. And it's not until he encounters Aslan, the lion, the Christ figure, that says, do you want me to remove that for you? And he says, yes. He says, it'll be painful. He says, please do it. And it was excruciating, and yet he was made free. Often we are so uncomfortable with the idea of someone else stepping into our mess that we don't want to allow a neighbor or Christ himself to wash us of the dirt on our feet. And yet Jesus tells us here that unless we're willing to let it happen, we can have no share with him. Again, we know that we've been made clean by the Lord, and yet Jesus says we still need our feet washed from time to time. Because the truth is that no matter where we are in our journeys, we still need to get from point A to point B. Yes, we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, and yet every day we are mucking through the mess of our lives, the sins that keep rearing their heads, the situations, the gossip, the self-righteousness that find its way in. Jesus says it's time for us to let him wash our feet. But then he goes a step further and says, do you know what I've done? And before the disciples can answer, he asks his own question, answers his own question and says, I am your teacher. I am your Lord. You have called me that and you're good to have done it because I am. But the servant is not greater than the master. And I have set this example so that you may go and wash one another's feet. And so it seems that in Jesus's final dinner with his disciples, he's setting up a scenario in which we are called to care for one another too. So not only do we have to admit to ourselves that we need to be clean, not only do we need to submit ourselves before Jesus, but we also need to be willing to get down on our knees, humble ourselves, and to step into someone else's life and help them in their mess. That's not something that our culture is particularly fond of. We are a culture that says, wash your own feet. Take care of yourself. Show your commitment. Show that you're dedicated and passionate. Do it yourself. Take responsibility. And yet, at just about every moment of Jesus' ministry, he's pointed to the radical community that he's creating. For the need for one another to step into each other's lives in moments like these. So Jesus says, yes, you need to let me wash your feet. Yes, you need to wash one another's feet. But then the final twist comes. We see in this story as it's narrated that Jesus sat down, Jesus had dinner with the disciples, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Jesus explained what he was doing, and then it says that Jesus became very troubled because he knew a betrayal was coming. And he has this interaction where he says, someone is going to betray me. And ironically, 
It wasn't just one disciple who was getting ready to betray Jesus. It was all of them. They were all going to leave Jesus in his time of need. They were all going to walk away in fear or hiding. But in this instance, Jesus points out that one would betray him. So the disciples are confused. They begin to ask. They motion to one another, who will it be? And Jesus indicates that it will be Judas. And the disciples apparently weren't really paying attention because they thought Jesus was telling Judas to go shopping or to go give money to the poor. Judas called out in front of his closest companions, leaves. And I don't want to psychologize or theorize too much of what Judas' mindset would have been in this moment, but imagine that you had already decided to walk away from Jesus and he sends you out. The walk to go get the guards that would arrest Jesus, what was going through Judas' head? Jesus just had dinner with Judas. Jesus just washed his feet knowing that he was going to betray him. Now, Judas betraying Jesus was a fulfillment of something from the Old Testament saying this would happen, that the heel would be lifted against Jesus. But even so, knowing full well what this man would do, Jesus still chose to humble himself before him. It seems that Jesus is showing us a radical example of what love and forgiveness and patience and grace looks like before anyone else could really understand in this situation. When we see this unfolding with the disciples, they didn't grasp it. Maybe Judas just left for a few hours and he was coming back. But Jesus, knowing what Judas did, still invited him to sit at the table. He said, this is your decision to make. Jesus didn't tell the other disciples what Judas was about to do. But he gave him a seat at the table. And I wonder, in how many of our lives are we able to emulate this kind of compassion or this kind of grace, this kind of forgiveness, this kind of patience, Would we extend a hand to the people we have deemed the least worthy to receive it? No, when we are typically experiencing these kinds of situations, we don't respond with such grace and tactfulness as Jesus in this moment. We look at the world around us and we see the divisiveness. We see the exhaustion and frustration the name-calling, the accusations, and that's just in the church. The people that have heard Jesus' words the most, and we still fall so far short. And I wonder, in this scene, were the disciples ready to hear what Jesus was about to go through? And I wonder how much like the disciples are we? I mean, the disciples had sat with Jesus and they had heard this new commandment to go and love one another as God, as Jesus had loved them. 
to love your neighbor and your enemy as yourself, to view Jesus as the vine and ourselves as branches. And I wonder, were the disciples walking out of there going, man, that was a good sermon by Jesus again tonight. And yet, nothing practically changed for them. How often do we walk away from a Sunday morning or a Bible study or our devotional and say, man, that was good, and we proceed to not live it out. But there's still a seat at the table for us. There's still space for us. No, in this scenario, in this story, what we see is that Jesus knows what we're going to do. Jesus is prepared for it. Jesus is aware that we are not going to get it right every time, and yet he continues to extend a seat at this table for each and every one of us. And that's a beautiful realization for us to have, to recognize that we are not good enough on our own, that we fall short, that we are not perfect. And yet we fail to extend that grace to those around us. We're often offended by the people that Jesus would invite to this table, the people that we think are undeserving of this table, the people we believe don't treat the table with proper respect, the people that we believe don't get it the way that we do, as if we were never in the position where we needed Jesus to invite us. Now, I'm not inviting us all to be like Judas, surely, but I do think that we need to learn from the example of these disciples whose feet got washed and were called to go out and wash others' feet. Now, Jesus stepped into this scenario the night that he was going to be betrayed, the night that he was turned over. And this is how he chose to spend his time. There's something in this that just is supposed to seep into our bones as followers of Jesus. And yet, it's one of those lessons, one of those ideas that we don't really live out as consistently as we're called to. Myself included. When we look at the world around us and we look into our deepest selves, we see this cycle repeated over and over and over again. And I wonder how exhausted we might become if we think about the amount of times that we have to tap into Jesus forgiving us for walking away from the table. So why would Jesus do this? The night on which he was betrayed, why would Jesus wash Judas's feet and Peter's feet and the other disciples' feet knowing the betrayals that were to come, knowing the denials that were to come? Are we doomed to repeat this cycle over and over again? Is there hope? Well, apparently yes. That's why Jesus did it. That's why Jesus not only washed these disciples' feet, but that's why we have this in the holy word of God that we can read this story and remind ourselves of our need to be washed by Jesus, of our need to admit that we don't have this all figured out, our need to admit that we don't have all of the perfection that we might portray to those around us. 
and our need to accept that others are allowed to come to this same table, even if we're not ready. And so tonight, Omondi Thursday, as we get ready to lean in to one of the most gruesome moments and yet powerful accomplishments of Jesus' life on earth in Good Friday, let each of us be ready to love and to forgive and to embrace and to humble ourselves the way that our Lord and our teacher and our Savior Jesus Christ did at this table. Amen.